Hello, this is the second session of the Good Wife Seminar, and this is the third talk of the second session entitled Heat. It has to do with the sexual relationship between a husband and wife. This is actually a re-recorded attempt at that talk because when I did it the first time, I didn't uh, manage to record the talk. I didn't press the button correctly. So it won't be exact to what was said, but it will cover the same material. Um, okay, the heat sec session today uh, is going to be talking about what we call the erotic narrative. Now, the erotic narrative is something that has been lost in the last hundred years or more of equality being in uh, in our society, the equality they uh, attempt to have between husbands and wives, and uh, either that or people are ignorant of the er erotic narrative. Um, first of all, you need to know what a narrative is, and it's the telling of a story or the relating of a circumstance um, sometimes in your mind that should uh, produce a certain outcome and it, an outcome that you would want is what we're trying to get to today um, and the erotic narrative is going to have you playing a certain character and your husband playing a certain character um, to write out this story that is successful and you need to ask yourself what character and what plot what crisis have you written into the story that you are currently playing out? And then, after you've figured out what you've uh, written, what character, plot, crisis, you ask yourself, are you wrong? Okay, before I get going on this, I just want to say that I am a strong woman. I know I'm a strong woman. I'm confident. I have talents and abilities. Um... I am well above average intelligence, and I have understanding about some things in life, which is different from intelligence. So I know that um, I'm not a simpering, whimpering, weak person. But as a strong woman, it doesn't mean that I am equal to my husband and I want to be showing you today how uh, the notion of equality can destroy the correct erotic narrative and can destroy a wonderful um, sex life that a husband and wife should be having. Okay, the true erotic narrative is not based on romantic love. The erotic love uh, was created by God and it was long before romance ever hit the scene. Um, I'm sure that there were romantic episodes early in history, but in terms of it being the driving force for creating marriages, that was not the case for thousands of years, um, at least not until the romance notion hit the scene in uh, probably the Arthurian times. Uh, 
the the erotic narrative is also not based on how pretty, how attractive a woman is. Um, the attractiveness, physical attractiveness of a woman will create a social value in the same way that uh, beautiful furniture in a home makes the home more attractive. Um, a beautiful woman is attractive and valuable socially, but an ugly couch can be just as comfortable to sit on as a beautiful couch, sometimes maybe even more comfortable. So in terms of woman being equated to f furniture, um, maybe the less attractive woman could be a lot more of a, a comforting presence to a man. But nonetheless, it, it really is not an issue of you being pretty uh, that makes your erotic narrative good. Uh, it's also not based on nakedness, because if it was, you couldn't have doctors examining uh, women's naked bodies without uh, having arousal about it. And we know that doctors are very capable of uh, dealing with nakedness in women uh, to achieve medical purposes. Also artists who have been who have drawn naked bodies, um, nudes, painted nudes uh, using models, they are doing it for an artistic reason and using the, the beauty of the nakedness uh, to create a, a beautiful painting or drawing or sculpture, um, not for the purposes of arousal necessarily. Um, the erotic narrative is also not based on vice or virtue. The idea of the erotic narrative being based on vice would mean that you would only find successful sexuality if it was immoral. And the other on, on virtue is actually has a reputation of uh, virtually no sex attached to it. So if you think that uh, your erotic narrative is based on you being some sort of holy goody two-shoes and you only have sex when uh, you absolutely have to or if you're wanting your next kid, um, you certainly are not involved in the right erotic narrative. There is a, a issue in society that actually gives us a very flagrant hint as to what the erotic narrative is in men and that is pornography. What is pornography really saying? Well, it's a metaphor for welcome. When uh, men look at pictures or videos of pornography, they're seeing women who are completely open to the idea of having sex. They're completely open to uh, a man having them, and it's giving an absolute visual access with a person who's having sex with someone else, actually. And it's also showing uh, unreal good looks, often made actually unreal because it isn't real. But um, 
pornography is appealing to what a man wants, which is a woman to be completely open and willing and ready for sex with him. Uh, there's an economic law called the, the law of diminishing returns. And that has been applied to the sexual relationship. Um, and in, in case anyone doesn't understand what the, the law of diminishing returns is, it's the idea that when you first do something, uh, and as applied to sexuality, it's when you first do something uh, with the other person that is uh, involving physical contact, it gives you a thrill, even a, a bit of perhaps arousal. Say like um, a couple of junior high or high school kids holding hands are going to feel a thrill and a, even a potential arousal just at the holding hands. But then the more they hold hands, the less exciting it is. And that is the diminishing returns. And it makes them want to move on to something else. So they move on to uh, perhaps hugging, putting arms around each other. Um, and that feels really exciting for a while. But after a bit, it starts to be not so interesting and they want to move on to something else, perhaps kissing, uh, perhaps getting their hands in each other's pants. Um, all of this is because whatever they were doing doesn't quite satisfy anymore. Well, you want to ask yourself, what do you think of that, uh, that idea? And then you want to ask yourself, if that's the case in your marriage, would you um, get to a place where you have no sexual enjoyment, no satisfaction in marriage because you'd gotten to the end of everything that could be done and uh, there's nothing else to do to make it exciting? Um, and then you have to ask, would it still be diminished, the idea of having sex, if someone else came along and offered it to your husband or to you? So the idea of diminishing returns is actually a threatening uh, notion to the narrative in marriage. It's an attack. And I want to show you that it's, if, if you think correctly about uh, your sexuality, about your marriage, if you have the right narrative, um, there shouldn't be a diminishing return. Um, in your erotic narrative, you want to get to a place where all you have and all that you are should be ready for you to make into your husband's and into your enjoyment. And if that's not the case, then you're probably looking around for the wrong narrative. You've, you're writing the wrong story if you're not ready and wanting to give everything that you are to that, to that enjoyment, that excitement of um, being with him and having an orgasm. Uh, if you're thinking about it wrong, it'll be like diminishing returns or you'll be thinking it's, it's uh, icky because you're so pious or maybe you think I'm getting too old, I can't uh, make my body work that way anymore. Um, those are not... Uh, correct ideas as far as I'm concerned and uh, 
you need to get your mind into the right place. To whatever degree you are or are not a part of the erotic narrative will determine whether your husband wants or does not want you. Um, he actually has an idea, whether he knows it or not, um, that is driving his interest, his desire for sexuality. His enjoyment will be resting in and will be heightened by the range of his will. So we go back to this pornography notion that it's a woman open and welcoming and accepting him. When a man knows that his will is being exerted on something that's completely his and open and ready for him, his enjoyment is heightened. Um, when a man knows what he controls, what he owns, um, it's appealing to his sense of um, being a man. It's why children like playing in cardboard boxes when they're little or making forts. They know that when they get inside this box or when they build a little fort and go inside it, that what happens in there is their, um, is their doing, it's their will and theirs alone because they've made this place and uh, nobody else gets to tell them what they can or can't do in there. Now, Evan had an epiphany once he, we were driving down a street here in Moscow and uh, he saw a home. Somebody was putting a, an addition onto this home and it looked like a really nice addition. And as we drove by, he looked at it and said, that's like sex. Well, of course, I didn't understand that at all and had to have him explain it to me. And what he said is that when, when a man has a home, it's his. It's the walls are built up and the space inside it is what he controls. It's like the little boy in the box uh, or in the fort. And when he uh, has the wherewithal to put a home addition on, he's controlling more. He's enclosing more space and it's more exciting to him. And he said that that's like sex because in sex, a man wants to get more and more into the woman. In marriage, the husband wants to have more and more of his wife. He wants to know her sexually in every way. He wants to know her mind and her um, the, the goodnesses, the talents that she has, and he wants to be able to um, have sex with that woman that he knows has great qualities and he wants to just really get into her. Uh, sex is the most organic expression of the extent of a man's claim in life. Boxes and houses aren't organic. Um, they definitely express a man's claims. But sex expresses it in a very organic way. Um, let's look at passage in Genesis. It's a very well-known passage. And uh, this is how we're going to start to learn what the man's erotic narrative is about welcome. Uh, Genesis 2:23 says, Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. 
Therefore a man leaves his father and his mother and cleaves to his wife, and they become one flesh. Okay, this idea is what we call rapprochement. It's a French word, and it is why men want women. In the box in your notes, uh, if you're looking on listening to this with the notes, um, we have the definition of where the word comes from. It's a French word, rapprochement, comes from the French, from rapprocher, to bring nearer, especially in parties that become reconciled after the distance between was widened. Okay, so let's look back at the Genesis passage. That's from the creation of woman when God put Adam to sleep, opened up his uh, chest, took out a rib, sewed him back up, formed the rib into Eve, and then uh, presented Eve to Adam. Adam says, This at last is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. And then it says, Therefore a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife. They become one flesh. So the rapprochement is why men want women, and it is what a man is trying to do to get his bone back to get back what was taken out of him, to bring back together that which was separated. And it's not just about a man having sexual pleasure, but so much of his sexual pleasure is involved in his wanting to have the woman back, to be one flesh. And that's no more better done than in sex when you're actual bodies are combined because of the parts that you were that you were given that fit together um, I think it also says uh, when he when God when God told Adam to name the animals he talks about there was none fit for Adam well woman was made to fit man and to be a help to him but the erotic part is the fitness sexually. Um, the woman who welcomes will be valued. And um, welcome does not necessarily mean always initiating sex, but it means being ready and not turning him down. And we also have to go back to the passage in Corinthians where we are told not to... Um, not to refuse one another sexually, uh, that especially men don't want to be refused when they want to have sex with their wives. Uh, it doesn't take a man long to know what story you've decided to tell and whether or not you are part of this erotic narrative. What you do to write yourself into his erotic narrative will determine why he wants you if he does. He wants you to act like a cert in a certain way and you need to act like that not the way you act or the way you think women should act in some sort of um, feminine, prissy, cute way. But uh, a man wants a woman who is eager to be had sexually. Um, we're going to move on here to the woman's erotic narrative. And 
in trying to explain that, I'm going to be using a passage from uh, a couple passages from C.S. Lewis's book, That Hideous Strength. That Hideous Strength is a uh, is the third book in the Space Trilogy by C.S. Lewis. Um, in that book, Ransom, the hero, Elwyn Ransom, has been to uh, both Mars and Venus and had adventures on those planets um, and has learned an awful lot in those circumstances about the world that God made. And what he is expressing is that there are authorities in um, all throughout the universe and that God created these authorities and that the universe is... Um, is arranged and organized in a height sense, not in a diversity sense, so that there are people above and people below. There are beings above and beings below, I should say. So let's read this quote. And um, actually, my husband wrote a uh, little booklet trying to describe this whole um, erotic narrative for women. It's called Jane's Progress, if you would like to get a hold of that. Um, we have it available through the Big House Society. But there's a, the quote in there goes like this. This is Jane, uh, who is um, waiting to be seen by Ransom. And she's in the waiting room and she's looking at a book and the quote, it says, Instantly her eyes lit on the following words. The beauty of the female is the root of joy to the female as well as to the male, and it is no accident that the goddess of love is older and stronger than the god. To desire the de desiring of her own beauty is the vanity of Lilith, but to desire the enjoying of her own beauty is the obedience of Eve. And to both... It is in the lover that the beloved tastes her own delightfulness. As obedience is the stairway of pleasure, so humility is the... At that moment, the door was suddenly opened. So that's how it goes in the book. And it, the quote gets cut off because uh, she's reading the quote and then the door opens and she gets taken into her interview with Ransom. Well, the way it's written suggests that humility is the door. Um, now I'm going to go through this quote and explain a few things. Um, first thing says, the beauty of the female is the root of joy to the female as well as to the male. Okay, what that's saying is that women are into their own beauty. And I think it's a pretty well-established fact that women are into their beauty. Uh, there are magazines and uh, an entire industry devoted to women's beauty and women go after it. Women are all about buying clothes and putting on makeup and doing their hair and uh, you know trying to be attractive and that th this quote is saying that joy, women, um, the root of their joy in being a woman is in being beautiful and working on that beauty and that that is what the male is interested in as well. So, first thing, both men and women are interested in women's beauty. Okay, it is no accident that the goddess of love is older and stronger than the god. 
Okay, this is basically just reinforcing the idea that women um, and their sexuality, their beauty sexually, is um, more powerful than a man's uh, physical sexuality, his physical um, being, that it's the, the look of the woman and actually even more specifically what she has sexually in her um, sexual organ to offer is the, the actual beauty because we all know that there are different um, degrees of physical beauty in women but it's very true that every woman has the part that is what the man wants sexually. She has a vagina, and if a man can have his penis in a woman's vagina, that's what he's after, and that is a beautiful thing to him. Um, so the other part, it's like, let's go back to the um, how pretty you are. That's socially valuable. Um, it is also wonderful for a woman to, you know, be concerned about being attractive to her husband physically, but the ultimate attraction is the part that she has to offer him sexually. So moving on, it says, To desire, the desiring of her own beauty is the vanity of Lilith. Okay, now I don't know if everyone knows what, or who Lilith was or is, but Lilith is a um, mythical character, fictional character, who was said to be the first wife of Adam and uh, that she was destroyed because of her um, her evil, her, uh, her pursuit of her own selfish uh, life. Her, she wasn't a submissive wife to Adam. Okay, this is again myth, untrue, but it, it says to desire the desiring of her own beauty is the vanity of Lilith. So she wanted Adam to desire her, but she didn't want to give herself to Adam for enjoyment. And it says, but to desire the enjoying of her own beauty is the obedience of Eve. So Eve was the woman created who wanted to be enjoyed by Adam, her husband. And what we're to learn from this is if we want to have the right erotic narrative, we think about our own beauty and what that is to our husband, and then we desire him to enjoy that beauty, um, which it means having sex with him. It says, to both, meaning to both the, the woman and the man, it is in the lover that the beloved tastes her own delightfulness. So a woman can really know how wonderful and beautiful she is when she is enjoyed by her husband. Um, to me, it's just an amazing uh, description of a right narrative to uh, have for a woman to have about sex and sex with her husband. So then the last part of the quote says, As obedience is the stairway of pleasure, so humility is the... And then we, we deduce that it's the door. Now, in the at the end of the 
book, That Hideous Strength. Jane, who is the woman that we're talking about who's going through this discovery, um, is going back to her husband. She's kind of been separated from him during the book because he's getting involved in some evil forces um, and she, unhappy in her marriage and not liking to have sex, has managed to find herself with a group of people who are all Christians and she starts learning um, about God and about authorities and um, starts to understand you know that there is a God and that God has created her in a in a certain place in the hierarchy of the universe and that this she starts to understand humility and obedience at the end of the book she's going back to her husband who's in a little um uh, apartment or cabin or something cottage i guess it's a cottage and she knows she's going to be having probably going to be having sex with him they haven't had sex in a while because they've been apart and uh it says she's going down some stairs to go back to him well Initially, when we when I read this quote, it says, "As obedience is the stairway of pleasure, so humility is the door." I thought of a stairway going up. For some reason, when you think of a stairway, you think of going up the stairs. Well, um, the actual idea is that you're going downstairs. You're you're stepping down to a place where you can be humble, um, and that in that stepping down, it's a stepping down to find pleasure, and that humility is the door to that pleasure. Um, we're also going to um, read some more in from that book. It's a longer quote from the book, but I want to say a couple things before we get into that. Now, a lot of people really knee-jerk about the idea of uh, women not being equal. Uh, it scares them. They feel like they're going to be a doormat. Um, but let's recognize that equality between husbands and wives or between any number of human beings is not a scientific fact. It's a philosophy by which you write a narrative that will strive against the erotic narrative of both sexes. Um, it's, a, it's a philosophy that I believe has done much to destroy uh, marriages. It destroys the narrative of the erotic and it destroys marriages. Um, when you have two people trying to be equal uh, um, and they're not designed that way, it's uh, working completely against what God has created. And I want to ask you if you think that equality in marriage is what it's supposed is what marriage is supposed to be, um, you might be betting that idea, that thought, um, on your marriage and uh, if you also think about how infidelities and uh, divorce rates have grown in the modern age it is a testimony to what equality has done um, I, Evan did some checking on statistics and found that 50% uh, uh, of men in France are uh, unfaithful to their husbands, or to, excuse me, to their wives. 
and forty uh, percent of men in England unfaithful to their wives. He couldn't couldn't find what the American uh, rate of unfaithfulness was, but uh, I wouldn't assume it was lower than those. Um, I'm going to read now from that hideous strength a uh, little bit of the interview that Jane has with Ransom. They talked about several things about her getting, I don't know whether she had permission from her husband to be there with them, and that kind of ticks her off. But um, she says at one point, I thought love meant equality, she said, and free companionship. Ah, equality, said the director. We must talk of that some other time, yes. We must all be guarded by equal rights from one another's greed, because we are fallen, just as we must all wear clothes for the same reason. But the naked body should be there underneath the clothes, ripening for the day when we shall need them no longer. Equality is not the deepest thing, you know. I always thought that it was just that. I thought it was in their souls that people were equal. You were mistaken, he said gravely. That is the last place where they are equal. Equality before the law, equality of incomes, that is all very well. Equality guards life. It doesn't make it. It is medicine, not food. You might as well try to warm yourself with a blue book. But surely in marriage, worse and worse, said the director. Courtship knows nothing of it, nor does fruition. What has free companionship to do with that? Those who are enjoying something or suffering something together are companions. Those who enjoy or suffer, suffer one another are not. Do you not know how bashful friendship is? Friends, comrades, do not look at each other. Friendship would be ashamed. I thought, said Jane, and stopped. I see, said the director. It is not your fault. They never warned you. No one has ever told you that obedience... Humility is an erotic necessity. You are putting equality just where it ought not to be. All right, so this quote has a few things going on in it that we need to cover. Um, he talks about uh, equality being fine and in, under the law because it protects people from evil others. But actual equality just doesn't exist. Um, and he also said, she says, but surely in marriage, and the director says, worse and worse. By the way, the director is ransom. Um, courtship knows nothing of it, nor does fruition. Okay, so the idea of when young people are, are courting and trying to attract one another and considering marriage the man isn't acting all equal to the woman. He's trying to display that he's strong, that he's a leader. He's trying to display that he can take care of uh, a woman, particularly the woman he's trying to impress. And so there's this little dance, this little ritual of um, the man being manly and the woman being um, cared for. And then he says... Courtship knows nothing of it, nor does fruition. That in sex, um, the man is penetrating the woman. 
he is taking her and that is not a companion action. Um, it says, then he says, those who are enjoying something or suffering something together are companions. Okay, so companions stand side by side and they do stuff together. They don't get together to look at each other and get involved in each other. Um, he says, friends, comrades, do not look at each other. Friendship would be ashamed. Uh, he asked the question before that, do you not know how bashful friendship is? I mean, really, when you're with your friend, if you're looking at each other and talking, it's because you're talking about something that you both are interested in. Um, you're not looking at each other and talking about how wonderful each other are. Um, but you're, you're talking about the things you enjoy together. Um, so then the last part of this is where he says, No one has ever told you that obedience, humility, is an erotic necessity. You are putting equality just where it ought not to be. Okay, this is, again, Lewis's um, idea about marriage, that it's not equal, that a woman who is obedient and humble will be more erotically excited about her marriage, about having sex, if she understands that she's not equal. Um, and uh, this is a hard thing for a lot of moderns to uh, accept because we've grown up in a culture that has pushed that away, that has told us to be equal, that has told women to um, stand up for your rights and um, go out there and be just like a man, get into the world and do what men do. Uh, and in some way I'm not, I want to make sure that you understand I'm not saying that women can't do anything except be at home uh, having sex with their husbands and making babies and that. I, I do think women can be very gifted at other things, but that in the husband-wife relationship, if she doesn't understand that her husband is her Lord, and actually the word husband means Lord, um, then she is setting up a circumstance in her marriage that uh, is not according to God's design, and it's going to have a level of failure in it. Um, if you're writing a story in which your character uh, doesn't understand the proper place, you won't have the wonderful, enjoyable result. Um, now, this inequality that is in marriage actually has a strength to it. Um, humility and obedience make a strength in a woman, and that strength makes her erotically satisfying to her man, and it makes her erotically satisfied in the relationship if she understands that. And the stronger and more capable that a woman is um, makes her a person, uh, excuse me, makes her more capable as a person and better a better erotic offer to her husband. Um, I said at the beginning of my talk, I'm a strong woman. And uh, I want you all to know that I mean I... 
I'm not afraid of life. I'm confident. I know what I'm good at. I do what I need to do. Um, but I have a husband who is my Lord. And I know that the strength that I bring to our marriage is in offering something wonderful to him to make his erotic experience um, more wonderful. And it makes mine more wonderful too. It's actually something I figured out only a few years ago. Sadly, it took me uh, way too long to understand this. But I, I hope to be able to communicate it to people, to young women, um, so that they can understand it through more of their marriage, more of their lives. Now, I don't want you to confuse strength in a woman, strength in a wife, with contention or control. Uh, scripture has much to say about contentious women and where men want to end up if they have a contentious wife. Uh, in case you don't know, they want to end up on the corner of the roof. Um, but reverencing your husband is an overarching quality that to which, um, under which your strength should reside. Um, when you have that kind of strength and that kind of reverence, he will be all the more revered if you have great qualities and are a strong woman. Consequently, he'll be more excited, and so will you. Now, regarding excitement, um, I had a friend tell me once, actually, she and her husband were talking with Evan and myself about sex and uh, conversations they'd had with people. And uh, she related something that they had done a little survey or taken a poll or something to asking men, would you rather um, have sex with your wife when she's not interested or would you rather paint the fence in the rain? And all of the men said they'd rather paint the fence in the rain than have sex with their wife when she doesn't want to have sex. Um, this is all to stress how important it is, how much it matters to the husband that the wife be interested, that she's wanting to be with her husband sexually. Um, painting the fence in the rain, I mean, what a futile uh, act. It's you can't you can't get anything done, and that's pretty much worse, or or excuse me, better than a man having sex with his wife when she doesn't want it. Um, in the end, I also want to remind you of how um, how important your husband's rule is to your life, to your circumstance, and that. This is, you know, getting a little bit of graphic uh, quality for you, something for you to picture, but um, in a lot of ways, the husband's penis is his uh, scepter of rule in your life. And uh, you don't want to become Lorena Bobbitt. You, know, you don't want to write yourself as a character called Lorena Bobbitt. And if you don't know who Lorena Bobbitt was, she was a woman who, I believe, back in the 80s, uh, got angry with her husband, and I think while he was taking a nap, she cut off his penis, she cut off his junk. And that is 
figuratively what a lot of women do by the way they treat their husbands, um, by not reverencing them, by not welcoming them sexually. Um, it it reduces him. It, it removes that which he has to express his the extent of his will, the extent of his control. Um, and in in the end, I want to say the, that the erotic narrative is something you got to have, and uh, you better not have the wrong one, and you better have the right one. If you have the wrong one, it's going to push things the wrong way, and if you have the right one, you're opening the doors to wonderful, enjoyable sex with your husband. In the original talk, there were uh, comments throughout by some of the women who attended the seminar, and there were questions. Um, I remember that they were a really wonderful part of of that seminar talk, but uh, since it didn't get recorded, this particular um, talk is not going to have any of that, and I'm so sorry, but I also uh, invite anyone to email me questions or comments or call me if you're interested in having a chat about any of this. That is all.